Hey guys, this is Steven here. Welcome back to the Where the Map Turned Blue podcast. This is the first episode. I'm here with Connor and Joe. Yeah, what's up guys? What's going on y'all? The company here over at Sword really wanted to create a podcast where we would invite people who were just absolutely crazy about fishing onto this podcast so that they could tune in. We could build a community around this idea that Sword is built on, which is people who are crazy about fishing. More importantly than that, we also wanted to have people on the podcast who are working in the fishing industry, you know, whether that's a boat builder, whether that's people who work for other fishing brands, whether outside of the tool space or even in the tool space. We'll go interview people who service these boats, these big sport fishing yachts. We'll have captains on the podcast. We're going to have uh, mates on the podcast. Anybody who has a really good story will be the people who come into this podcast. Which is going to be a lot of fun, but we wanted to start it off with Connor and Joe here because this is a company and a lot of times like it lives and dies by who's running it and who's actively involved in it. And these guys emulate what S.W.O.R.D. is all about. But just to give you a little intro about myself and then I'll let them take the reins on uh, introing themselves. But I'm Steven. I, uh, I started the company about four years ago. It was a really good story of where I lived and worked in York City for three years. And while I was up there, like the only thing I could dream about was getting out to where the map turned blue. Like I would sit at my desk and work for nine, 10 hours a day on the back end, in the back of my mind, all I was doing was checking the weather forecast in Florida <laughs> because literally the only thing I wanted to do was fly home and go fishing. So that's how, where the map turned blue came from. Because if there's one thing that unites every angler, it's obviously where the map turned blue. You can't go fishing where it's green. I mean, maybe you stand where it's green <laughs> yeah. and you cast to where it's blue, but With like- your bass fishing, maybe. I mean, hey, look, even a lake, <laughs> <laughs> Even a lake has some some blue on it on the map. So but fair. I started the company, and uh, over the past three years, I've had the blessing of being able to have two guys working with me. From a day-to-day perspective, I pretty much run the finance side, maybe the operations side of the business, to let Joe and Connor introduce themselves. They mostly run the uh, the sales side of the business. So you guys take it away. I grew up in uh, Chicago playing football, wrestling, baseball. And then my main hobby, everything that I did in my free time was always fishing. My dad had a bass boat and we would take the boat up to Lake Geneva, Lake Delavan in Wisconsin, fish for bass, walleye, northern pike, really anything we could catch. And then when it was time to go away to school for college, I went to Winona State University in southeastern Minnesota, where I started fishing on the Mississippi River quite a bit. I caught my first, uh, they call them dogfish or, or bowfin, which was like one of the creepiest looking fish ever, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun to fight. But yeah, I caught a lot of fish up there, a lot of ice fishing, having a lot of like campfires with buddies, catching and cooking fish up. And then after I graduated, I hung around there for another year and a half or two. And my family had moved down to Florida and 
that's when I decided I'm going to head down there as well. And we're, we're never going back to Chicago ever again in our lives. Yeah. At Maddie Kane. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But got down to Florida, continued fishing, but Destin was by far the best saltwater fishery that I had ever like fished out of. So there were so many awesome opportunities to get tight. You know, I was working full time and again, just like in Chicago, whenever I had free time, I was always fishing. So I was at a gym one day where I met Steven initially and I literally offered to buy the, the sword hoodie off his back because I thought the, the pattern was so cool, but <laughs> I didn't end up getting it. And I mean, I was I was kind of thinking, who's this little weirdo, <laughs> weirdo at the gym trying to buy the hoodie off my back? But I Look, mean, in my head, I was thinking, he's he's a fellow fisherman, so he he's probably cool. He won't he won't care. But I will say, like ever since that moment, like I first met you in the gym, I still remember just the openness. Like you were very willing to like build a relationship extremely quickly, versus a lot of guys tend to shy away from being friendly and being nice and immediately struck me boss man is one of the friendliest people you will meet yeah real, I, real nice guy <laughs> yeah everybody <laughs> says that about him <laughs> really really nice i totally do but yeah to continue that i don't know maybe fast forward like six months or something maybe it could have been a year even honestly i don't know we've been so busy time just blends together but i was on facebook I was working at a job that was all right, but obviously I wanted to do something new. Came across a post that Steven put up for a job opening with Sword, and I was like, this is it. It's my chance to do what I love. So applied, interviewed with Steven. He was a little late on the response, and I had actually accepted a different job offer <laughs> prior. Typical. And the day before I was supposed to start that job, Steven reached out and was like, hey, like, you know, you're hired, let's do it. So I never, I didn't go to the, my other first day. I held out and yeah, it's been, now it's a year and a half later. Yeah, and so. I, I remember that first interview because I guess the, the guy I met at the gym, I just didn't trust what he said <laughs> to me. <laughs> when he said that he actually loved fishing because if you know anything about Connor, he is a... Um, a liberal bullshitter. He loved to, <laughs> to BS a lot. Let's just say that. Um, so maybe maybe that like rubbed off on me when I had first uh, met him. But in the first interview, I realized, wait, like this guy actually loves fishing. And so I said, heck, like let's do it. Like let's let's take take a moment to uh, to sign a contract and then. The rest was history. And, and Connor, explain what you do at Sword right now. So I handle all of our event sponsorships. So right now we're coming off our Sword Expedition for 2023, where we traveled all throughout the Gulf and along the East Coast to various billfish tournaments. Um, got to spend the last month up in the Northeast, which was really cool. And then I handle a lot of other back-end stuff, like the, the website, Amazon stuff, which has been great. Then I, all of our affiliates, uh, like our YouTube influencers and our charter captains for our guide program, keeping in contact with them, making sure they've got what they need. They've been a tremendous help in expanding SWORD, getting the name out, people seeing our products. So big thanks to them. 
pretty much what I do. We all do a good bit of everything, but for sure, kick it off to Joe. So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up bass fishing mainly, but I always had a love for saltwater. I always been fishing, bottom fishing with my dad and his buddies. Got to fish under a lot of really good captains and catch a lot of really cool bottom fish while I was younger. Took a lot of what I learned down down here to bass fishing as well. Uh, one of my fond memories is we around Christmas time or after Christmas, everybody put their trees out in the out on the driveway and we'd get grab the trees and jerry rig center blocks to the bottom bottoms of them and make wrecks in the little lake that we used to fish in. But uh, we. would We'd know where they were, triangulate off of the common points on this side of the lake and find where we dumped the trees and the bass just loved it. So we were able to, we were able to troll past those, pick up a few bass and pretend they were some nicer wahoos or something like that off a wreck. But it was a lot of fun doing that as a kid. And then recently I just graduated college. So I started working with S.W.O.R.D. before I graduated as an intern. Uh, I met Steven actually on an offshore trip uh, on a good buddy of ours boat, the War Horse, really pretty boat. But uh, we went out there sword fishing and uh, we got to know each other pretty well while we were sword fishing. Both liked the way each other fished and could enjoy some time with each other. So uh, we ended up talking a little bit more after that trip and then uh, the first uh, internship popped up over at sword and uh steven steven hit me up about it and i jumped all over it i i didn't didn't quite know what i wanted to do yet i didn't know if i wanted to be a boat captain for the rest of my life but i knew i wanted to be around saltwater and in the fishing industry so having steven reach out was definitely a blessing and uh we were able to connect on that i started working for him for the first summer and uh our little 10 by 10 office <laughs> over at Grand Shout Boulevard. out to Regis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Regis over at... We, we used to sit in an office that was about <laughs> the size of a, of a closet, of a middle class closet. <laughs> and it would get to the point where like I was... So our, my desk was on one wall, Joe's was on the other wall. Our chairs would back up to each other. <laughs> and Joe would hop on a wholesale sales call, and like it is ingrained in my br- in my brain. Hey, this is Joe Coonrad from Sword Piece and Product, <laughs> and so now Connor has to now deal I get with, to it, deal every with day. it. But I like it. Yeah, but learn um, a lot it was super guy. cool on the boat when uh, I met Joe, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this can do a test to when you meet somebody on a boat, you can immediately gauge whether you're going to get along or be friends with somebody based on if they brought their own snacks, if they brought <laughs> beer <laughs> <laughs> and based on whether they like relate to you and the weather, the attentiveness that they have to actually fishing because everybody has different ways of fishing where for me, like I am like hyper sensitive to all the details of fishing. And I remember that one trip, Joe was like, hypersensitive to learning all the detail that when we were dropping down for uh for daytime shorts so that was was just super cool and the first thing i noticed about him yeah and since that sword trip i've been absolutely addicted to him so i'd still do love bottom fishing but i'd say sword fishing has my heart right now do you remember not to cut you off but do you remember the sword fish i caught (laughs) so we recently went fishing and uh connor got 
his first swordfish and it was the boat's fish but we'll call it connor's for this that was a joke it purposes. was the boat's fish um yeah everybody got to crank on that one that was really fun but caught that out there at the spur um but i get to fish with my good buddies justin and justin from justin time all the time they really started dialing in those swordfish last year and great guys to know so take advantage fish with them whenever i can do it commercially do it for fun anytime we can get on the water we get out there and just to continue the conversation of uh post college what do you what do you do with sword now yeah so uh with sword i'm in charge of the wholesale side of things mainly trying to get us into tackle shops and expand through uh retailers uh, we have quite a few shops on the gulf coast line uh, a few down in Tampa, a few on the East Coast, but we're definitely trying to work to expand, pick up as many uh, high quality shops as we can and people who are really interested about our product and are willing to push it. And we've seen a lot of great success through that, especially getting into new areas. It's always good if you can get into the local shop and have the guys at the local shop pushing you. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, what Joe was talking about when he started as an intern he basically took different roles as an intern until we realized what his passion was, which was um, wholesale. For sure. I remember uh, Stephen assigned me to write uh, an article <laughs> about uh, the Blue Marlin Triple Crown, and I worked my way through it. I had help from a buddy Sawyer, but... Uh, it's we, a great read. Yeah, it's a great... It turned out really good, but it was definitely not what I was passionate about. It felt more like homework. Finally found that I really enjoy talking with people and building relationships with other business owners. And it feels feels great when we get products into new shops and able to get it in front of a new clientele. Yeah, and when we first started S.W.O.R.D., the idea that I had in my mind was that S.W.O.R.D. was only going to be a direct-to-consumer company. We were going to ship them out from our own website and we were going to sell them at events. Mm -hmm. But obviously, as business evolved, your thought process also evolved. And we saw demand through retail that I had previously didn't see before. And that first summer that Joe worked for us, there was probably, what would you say, maybe four or five accounts? It wasn't... Yeah, not many. I mean, a few local accounts, and that was that was about it. Um then a few shops that were willing to give us a chance to, but we're definitely glad that we got those guys on board. So Mike over at J&M definitely uh, gave us a leap of faith in the beginning, but everything's been going well since. After that first summer, you know, the second summer um, that Joe worked for us, which was 2022, we started um, really pursuing shop. But we realized during the summer, a lot of shops are so busy that they can't really talk to you. Uh, in the way that you want to, like they're not re they're not ready to build a relationship there, but yeah. we probably expanded from five to so probably uh, around fifteen twenty shops or so in that first summer. Yeah, and and then ever since you know Joe started full time in May, I feel like we picked up at least like fifteen new shops since he yeah. started. Yeah, definitely. it's it's definitely been big getting into the new shops. It's really nice getting that brand recognition too. I mean, it used to be when we go approach a shop in a new area it was like hey this is joe kunai from swordfish and products and 
they're like, who? Sword? Who, who's Sword? But now it's, uh, oh, we've seen your stuff on Facebook or we've had client or customers asking about if we had your stuff. So definitely more brand recognition out there now and getting into the shops is, is part of that. It's, it's a lot easier. For sure. Yeah. And like uh, Connor was saying before, you know, we go on what's called a sword expedition every year. And we're just now ending that sword expedition. It's a year long of travel. So we started last year in Miami, Florida, and we went from Miami, Florida to Palm Beach International, the boat show. Atlanta. Atlanta. And then we we ended up in North Carolina. We had the White Marlin Open. We were at the Mid Atlantic, the Pirate Cove Billfish. We kind of went everywhere. I mean, it was. An insane summer, uh, but I wanted to ask you guys, what is one of the coolest stories or most funny stories from the summer that you guys remember? I guess the, I'm going to, I'm going to answer it differently. The most crazy thing that happened this summer at all the events was the sensations fish that got disqualified at the big rock tournament. Yeah. That caused that was a so crazy much. crowd to be in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were, we were set up over there in the booth. Everybody was on their phones listening to Randy Ramsey on the radio. Finally, finally they got back in and it wasn't until 10, 10 30. It was late. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even past that. And then they wouldn't announce the weight of the fish. And that made the crowd who had been sitting there drinking for, <laughs> for God knows how many hours. <laughs> yeah, since the morning. <laughs> the entire town of Moorhead. The entire town. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that definitely got rowdy over there. Yeah, I remember. So I didn't personally attend that event. I stayed back and went to two different events on the Gulf Coast. One which was rescheduled, the Gulf Coast Master. Um, and then ended up getting kind of blown out anyways. And then the Mississippi tournament. So mm-hmm. we split the team up, which wasn't the original plan. But I do remember um, we had an intern here named Micah. Uh, Micah, she's probably going to listen to this. And Micah was an incredible cameraman. <laughs> yeah, um, so if you, ha- and I know you guys all have seen the video on TikTok that, got, <laughs> that got over eight. I mean, I honestly haven't checked it. It's probably over 10 million views now. Not to mention all the counts that took it off our account and reposted it, too. I mean, yeah, and that was really cool. I remember Micah talking about how he uh, stood at the front because they wouldn't give him a uh, media path to get in front of the gates. So he stood at the gate for three hours waiting for this fish <laughs> to uh, come to the weigh-in, come to, come to the scale. And I remember he filmed it, and the crowd is absolutely going nuts in the video. And Micah, somehow, the way he tells the story, I wish he was here to tell it, he backed his way, like, out of the crowd. I mean, the way (laughs) I imagine it is, uh, you guys have seen that Simpsons meme that's everywhere where I believe it's Bert that's, like, going back into the bush like yeah, at, yeah. after he's like done something <laughs> yeah so like michael like took this i mean i i believe it's a piece of history now this video that he took and just backed his way out immediately went home to edit it got it he's the first one to get it up yeah like he a put true, it up so uh, quick yeah i don't know like a true reporter <laughs> he was ready for that that was a big moment but he was ready every time for sure michael would stand up there every day like 
He was ready. He'd be like, well, we don't know when the fish are coming, Micah, so I guess you got to <laughs> stand up there and wait for something to come in. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, that was that definitely um, a big moment. And yeah. I would say even on the expedition, something that I really love was when we're at the White Marlin Open, it would have been our, this is our third year that yeah. we've set up there. And for anybody who hasn't gone to that event for the last three years, Sword has put out a t-shirt that has uh, the famous like kill Whitey on the back of it. And I, I can't take credit for coming up with the design or coming up with the slogan. It's actually Swagger Fishing mm-hmm. back in the 2000s that came up with it. Then Swagger um, no longer participates in you know making clothing. Be um, I'm not sure why. I think it was just more of a personal decision not because they weren't successful and uh the designer for swagger i asked him if he would make us a design for kill whitey but this year like that shirt flew off the shelf it was incredible to see and then it's also incredible seeing your past two years designs as well like walking around the docks and everybody everybody up there in nation city's got a kill whitey shirt and then we saw them at the at Pirates Cove, people were wearing them, and then back up at the Mid Atlantic, people were wearing them. So it was, yeah, everyone's got them on the East Coast. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they'll make their way down to the DR and all over the islands. I'm sure there's Kill Whitey shirts everywhere, worldwide. Yeah, so it, that's just something fun for us in the summer. I know we look forward to going to the White Marlin Open every year and seeing the people that we see there. I mean, we've made friends there. I feel like for sure. In last year, um, 2022, uh, my father-in-law was with us, but we made friends with uh, one of the bartenders. Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Brandon. If, if you're listening, you're the man. <laughs> and, uh, well, but just the thing is, it's like every time we go there, we meet like some of the coolest people. And it's it's been, it, to me, being in Ocean City feels like being at home. It feels like a hometown tournament just like our ECBC, which is to short for Emerald Coast Blue Marlin Classic that's hosted out of Sam Dustin. It's just a fun event to be at for all of us. For sure. It's for also sure. a really nice break to get out of the heat for yeah, a week and go weather, up north. That weather break. I, th- I think that week while we were up there, it was like 115 degree heat index down here. It's crazy. <laughs> but, yeah. Let's uh, let's switch this conversation to uh, the first trip the Sword team ever made together. Oh boy! And um, Joe, why don't you take it away because it was your boat, yeah. your dad's boat. But yeah, I'll I'll get it started. So uh, it was, I guess, February. It was early year fishing. Uh, it took us a long time to all get onto the boat together fishing whether. Me being in school, it was just hard lining it up. But anyway, first trip, uh, it was early, late, fe- or early mid February, and I uh, yeah. got out there. We were actually going out targeting wahoos at, at the FADS, the uh, Calusa FADS system. Had some success wahoo fishing in the morning. Uh, it was just a beautiful day. I believe it was one to two foot at six seconds, just nice long rollers coming out of the south. Was looking for a little bit of warmer water around the fads. We were sitting in about 72, 73 degree water all day. And uh, got over to fad eight, found some warm water. It was 74 and a half degrees. There was another boat sitting there catching some chicken dolphins. And we watched him do his work for a little bit. We were trolling loops. Uh, 
Finally, he ended up taking off. We uh, kept on trolling, picked up a Wahoo about probably 20, 30 minutes into uh, working around this fad. Uh, we just got absolutely smoked on our uh, Wahoo, uh, on our short. Yeah. He ate our short. We were not expecting it. It ate a Talica 20, to, well, one fish, the first fish of two ate uh, Talica 20. And it was a big one. It, it was probably around 550 or so. It ate, and we thought we had hooked just a 100-pound wahoo or something. Just crazy, massive <laughs> wahoo. And then about 30 seconds later, there is a giant she blue was, marlin. She was jumping. <laughs> just she behind couldn't quite get out of the water. Yeah, she was trying to get out of the water, but she couldn't. And then she was windshield wiping right behind the boat. I mean, probably felt like it was right behind the boat. I mean, it was probably... 200, 300 feet behind the boat, but <laughs> to us, it was right behind. I definitely remember because we're trolling, and obviously, we're just catching wahoos, and, you know, wahoo bites, like, reel goes off for a little bit, you know, they pretty much give up pretty quickly, and then they just start making their way to the boat. It became routine. Like, you know, the first couple bites you get when you get a new squad out there, you're working out the kinks, is what I'm for saying. Sure. Like, you know, you're shaking the rust off. It's like we caught the couple fish before this bite. <laughs> and when that reel started going off, I'm thinking to myself, okay, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. And then like I'm like just trying to reel clear one line just in case, you know, it's it's a really big fish. Yeah. <laughs> All I remember hearing is like behind me, it's Joe just screams. Yeah. 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 I mean, I got quite excited for sure. I was like, blue more, blue more. I was yelling, but my dad was my dad was probably yelling even more than I was. He was hooting and hollering. Everybody watched this giant blue just come up, thrashing behind the boat, throwing water like I've never seen a fish do before. Ended up running for another probably minute or so, and then finally broke us off. It, it, it ate 80 pound, real, real small leader. I, I actually believe I'm that leader. I was trying to test a smaller leader, so like we had 60. <laughs> I, I, but just because, like, I, I'm someone who's always testing things out when I'm on the water. Like, you take wahoo fishing, for example. Like, I will test, like, hook placement. Oh. I'll test skirts. I'll test, you know, the size of the bait that we're running. Like, pretty much anything you can think of, I'm testing it. And I think that day, I was like, all right, let's see if 60 gets a bit more. Yeah, and of course it eats. Yeah, out of... <laughs> All the 50s we had out, and it eats yeah, the little talc at yeah. <laughs> yeah, but dodged all the 50 wides, and then so finally lost that fish. I believe we took probably two or three minutes, just, minutes to, to relax just to recoup, recoup after that. We were just in shock, but then finally got the got the spread back in, made another pass, and then sure enough, on the next pass, had our full spread. We had Islanders on our rig and, riggers, and... Uh, we see a, another blue beast <laughs> come out of the... Come up right up top. Saw his fins up. go through the spread. Yeah, coming through the spread and then went to that uh, long rigger bait. Steven picked up the rod on it, tried to whack at it a few times and then uh, turned around, came back across and just absolutely piled onto it. Smoked the, the long rigger bait. Steven reeled into it and uh, we were tight. And within two seconds, three seconds... <laughs> that fish was even with uh, we even with me and at the wheel. I had to cut it hard and give it some gas, but that fish cleared the fad, 
started greyhounding away from the fad, and that's when we knew we we were on. We were we were tight. We had it finally hooked up to a fifty wide, and we had a shot. Yeah, and I I can just remember it was a pink and white. Yeah, Islander With and. The- it wasn't rough at all that day. It was very smooth, but like a nice swell. And I almost believe we had to have been going down swell because you could see that pink and white islander swimming yeah, just perfectly. And then that fish comes straight up behind it. Like Joe said, whacked a couple of times. And obviously everybody sees those money shot videos where that fish just goes straight across. Yeah. And hold dorsal, hold back yeah, out of the water. and kicking too i mean it's the the, half of the fish was out of the water for at least three four seconds just kicking forward it was it was going nuts i mean i've never seen a fish shoot so straight towards the boat like i mean it was taking off after it got hooked yeah and uh, it didn't start jumping immediately it was just thrashing up on the surface it's almost like if you saw a sunning swordfish trying to go like 60 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then on that fish specifically, we, uh, I mean, we got harnessed up. It did, you know, it did its jump to jump a little bit. We got it probably 20 feet behind the boat and then just pulled the hook. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it shake its head and the yeah. islander flew yeah. out, but it was right there. We got the islander back, so that's we all that matters. We back. That was nice. But not the fish, unfortunately, but it's okay. If we were fishing 28 foot leader we might have <laughs> might have had a chance yeah we definitely would have uh we would have grabbed that very quickly boss man over here is a supreme wire workout man, man. and yeah. so he is ready to pull on one dying right now to. i'm ready dying to and uh you know we're, we gotta go back out we do and that, that's what i'm about Been to say too long like, this fall is gonna be all about fishing and just to give you all a bit of background at sword we all sat down about two weeks ago and we started mapping out like what was important in our lives like what were things that truly mattered which something for all of us is like being healthier as a person because obviously like the healthier we are physically that means like eating right working out and honestly staying on top of like your mental ability helps you out in all ways in life so you know coming into the office is like i try to create a culture here so like we are crazy about fishing so if you have an opportunity to go fishing like i want these guys to take it like there should never be a time that you say no to a fishing trip because the only i guess the only time you can say no is if like we actually have in the middle of the summer that, that's just a total grind but when you get to the uh the fall this year we instituted this whole calendar building process where our calendar is built out to a T right now. For sure. Like we know what's happening every day. We show up every Monday and for two hours we plan out what our schedule, like what our week looks like. And we think about when do we want, like when are we gonna be able to go fishing? (laughs) (laughs) That's everything. When are we gonna go fishing? That's what it all revolves around. Not the business. No, no. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't be a business for people who are crazy about fishing if we didn't get a chance to, like, actually go, go fish. Yeah. Fishing. So, um, we've been doing that for the last two weeks. And I would say, from a company standpoint, we are just crushing it. We've, 
we've been getting product development ramped up right now. We've got a lot of cool things coming out over the uh, the next, I would call it the next 18 months because we're calling it Vision 2025. So yeah. we've got a lot of stuff that's coming out. But one thing that's super cool is since we've gotten our calendar organized, that means that we are going to crush some fish this fall. Tuna. Tuna fish, yeah. Tuna, tuna. I would say I would say our biggest focus is catching a tuna. <laughs> that big guy. Yeah, yeah, we're we're mad at some big eye tuna right now. Yeah, we're gonna get after them. Yeah, in the uh, in in the Gulf of Mexico specifically, so we have a run of big eyes that come through. It, it starts every fall, but it, I'm honestly have not been able to dial them into a specific temperature. I haven't been able to dial them into a specific moon phase or anything yet, but. Last year, they came for almost a month in October, and then they were gone. The year before that, they came for about two weeks in uh, the beginning of December, which I remember because we always go fishing on my birthday, it, sound, it seems like, uh, which is December 9th. But the big guys Just seemed in case to- anybody was wondering. <laughs> uh, Mine's also, the 14th. <laughs> also 30 years old, so <laughs> I would be 31 December 9th. So if anybody wants to buy me a present, address is on the website. 50. He really likes cookie cake. And, uh, but no, this fall we're going to focus on crushing some big eye tunas. But along with that, we're probably going to do a lot of blue marlin fishing and wahoo fishing, just depending on when we can get out there. Connor, what, what are you looking forward to the most this fall, whether at sword or um, out fishing? Fishing wise, getting a big big eye tuna in october i think would just that would make my year <laughs> i mean just the magnitude of a, a fish like a, a big tuna or a blue marlin it, there's just absolutely nothing like it i mean and even that swordfish we got a couple months ago like yeah when you hook up to a fish like that that can just pull there's nothing like it yeah it's addicting coming from like freshwater to salt water Honestly, you catch your first redfish and you're you're already hooked. You're like, okay, this is different. I didn't realize fish could even like pull like this. Yeah. Then you're talking a few hundred pound fish. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's just muscle. After starting fishing with you guys, I learned so much. I, I do have to say, I've got the luck factor. Oh, 100%. Because every time this... I go, we hook a blue. But <laughs> the first experience I had was on Baldry's boat. When we, well, we leadered it. I, it's a catch. It was a little one, but I remember when it came up to the boat, it, uh, I was on like the back. I had a, it was a black fin on, reeling it up, had it like right at the rod tip. No, and I, I saw that blue come up. Yeah, I was sitting there waiting to put a dart into this black fin because we had seen probably, you know, maybe 300 yards away from the fab. We saw this just windshield wiper going nut. We couldn't definitely tell it was a, uh, a billfish, but you know, Connor put the jig out, and this is where he's at. Yeah, that's what happened. We saw that, and then John was like, Throw that jig through the jig, hooked the blackfin, and that uh, the marlin came up to the edge of the boat. I mean, and I had never seen like it, it, it wasn't even real to me. Like, <laughs> for like 10 seconds, I was just in shock, you know, like, what, what's even happening? And then you ended up feeding them a, a half dead half frozen mahi chicken dolphin that we just caught yeah he he ate it spit it right and then we hooked another one on and that we hooked him yeah so we so we were out like once we got hit off by the uh the black fin 
it, Marlon was just fired up. And when he wanted yeah. to eat, he was going to eat. We had already caught a bunch of chicken dolphins off the bag. And we had just thrown a chicken dolphin into the box. So there was one that was in there that was like fresher than the other. So I, I immediately just, once the black fin got whacked off, I opened the fish box. I grabbed a chicken dolphin and I just put, I just hooked him. I mean, no need for a bridle. No yeah, bridle. Dude, I just hooked the freaking thing and I threw it, I threw it yeah. in the back. Once we got past a 28 foot leader, he went right the, at it. Yeah. I mean, he came at it with kind of just wanting to whack the thing, which he did. I mean, he whacked the crap out of it so much that it flew off the hook. I'm thinking like, oh crap, you know, we just lost our shot. Obviously, it hit a black fan, it got that. It hit the mahi off, it got that. And so I'm thinking, you know, three different baits is you really give him another one. one. <laughs> give him another one. Yeah, so I went back in there. I mean, I got one that was like pretty much cold. It'd been on ice for, for that long. And I hooked him. And I, this time I kind of, you know, you got to go through the freaking top of the, the top of the fish and the bone of the really hard head of that. Uh, it was a small chicken bowl. And I just ripped that, that hook in there as deep I could and pulled it out just so that we wouldn't get knocked off again. Pitched him behind the boat. And I would, I'm telling you, within 10 seconds, I mean, not even, it was probably five seconds after that fish had hit the water, the, the marlin came straight back up. It whacked it again, but it didn't get it. And then I wasn't paying attention to the, where the fish was. I was paying attention to the reel because I was just waiting. I was just feeling to wait for it to take the bait. Came up, it ate that bait, and then... You know, the rest was history. I mean, it started, it ran off, fed it for a little bit, let, let the fish swallow that hook, swallow that bait good. Yeah. And we set the drag, put it in gear a bit, and then came tight pretty pretty quickly. It, it was it was a sick, uh, there's a sick video up on Instagram. Yeah, that's that awesome. was cool. Because, I mean, it came, we had, like, right onto the boat, and just seeing it shining in the water, it was, it was sweet. Then we went to Appomattox, and there was some good marks. For whatever reason, I mean, we just didn't have whatever they wanted to eat because we were marking them, but they wouldn't eat what we had. Yeah, it's fish can be finicky, you know, they'll be biting for two hours and then bam, like when they're off, they're off, they're not gonna bite anymore. So, for sure, where'd we go after that? We got a call, we ended up going to Blind Faith, but those big guys they hang out everywhere. I mean, I've I've heard of them caught at any of the floating rigs, Blind Faith, they've been caught at Thunder Horse, Thunder Hall over at uh, Horn Mountain even. Wow. But yeah, we were finding fish pretty much anywhere. You can you go out there and you big eye fish any of the rigs in the winter and you might have a chance of catching one, but they are super finicky. Um, then targeting them definitely helps, but that's something we're gonna do this year. We're gonna take the cat out there, the, oh, yeah. the lucky cat, the fish raiser. Push, push it It is hard. a fish raiser. What, yeah. what, what kind of boat is it, Joe? Yeah, so it's a 1996 HydroCat 290X. It's sweet. It, we just completely redid it, put new fuel tanks in it, holds 300 gallons of fuel, twin 300 Suzuki's on the back, and getting 1.8 miles a gallon fully loaded. It's got the range to go do it. It's a comfortable boat, for sure. Comfortable boat to ride on, fuel efficient, fun to fish. She's, doesn't she's hurt got a lot of blood on those decks. Yeah, a lot of blood on the deck, and uh, luckily, Dad's been very, uh, very kind and letting us fish it as much as we want, whenever we want. 
we've been able to do some really cool trips on it recently. That swordfish trip, that was the first swordfish trip since the boat had been completely redone and uh, got lucky. Connor on the boat. We didn't get lucky. <laughs> that was scale. we might We might have knew where they were, but uh, Connor was on the boat and second drop third drop down first drop first got drop a palm was the palm fruit yeah. yeah within like five minutes got hooked to a palm fruit brought him in drifted for another 45 on a second drop and pulled around and i think i was on the back deck rigging another squid and within two minutes of us getting the weight off there i mean that rod just doubled over absolute thunder bite and yeah that was awesome yeah we fought that fish for about 30 45 minutes let's say we got the weight off after 30 minutes or so and then fought him another 15 minutes he was sounding a lot up and down up and down but it was fun watching everybody crank on that fish i mean we had the two interns who i mean i, I couldn't imagine what micah was thinking or even reese i mean micah going coming from colorado though <laughs> coming from the mountains to come crank on a swordfish but it was really cool watching that one come over the over the rail for yeah. sure we've got yeah i feel like when you go fishing with people who you've spent a lot of time with so like for them it was so they had joe's best friend jr mm-hmm. and then you had connor reese and micah on the boat which reese and micah are the two the two intern but reese was uh reese came from clemson and uh micah came from gunnison colorado what's the name of the school out there we don't even know. We should probably know. <laughs> we probably should know. But it's a smaller school. I'm going to call it Gunnison University. Um, it's actually it's University of Gunnison. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Western Colorado University. I just remember. But um, we actually met those two guys at the White Marlin Open, which is yeah. a totally different story to talk about. But I wanted to mention them because they yeah. were an instrumental part of the team for, for, sure. uh, for the summertime. But... What I was going to say is being out there with, like, your buddies and catching a fish has to be, like, a top five feeling in the world. Dude, easily top three. Top three, I mean... Top two. Top two. (laughs) Maybe the first. (laughs) It might be. Uh, But, yeah, no, that feeling of just being out there with the boys and getting it done i mean that's something else that's what it is it's just getting it done especially when you get it done that that make get being out there with the boys is fun but being out there with the boys and killing some nice fish is what it's really but, about but i can debate this though because you can be out there and you're getting it done like you guys are crushing fit but you're with the wrong crowd for sure and honestly you don't even want to be there anymore 100 percent. i think everybody's experienced that at least i've once. never experienced it Okay. <laughs> well, we're for crushing fish. I'm there. Even you know, if we're right. enemies. We're we're gonna make it known on this podcast that Connor Boss is the most spoiled fisherman ever. Exactly because he um, he has now gotten the fruits of Joe and I's <laughs> relentless pursuit of uh, every fish that swims, and so a lot of those details have all been worked out. I, Look, I will be the first to admit that when I first started daytime sword fishing, we had two years of coming in with clean eye. My first season, I went one for 24. <laughs> Dude, we would take the, the, the Daiwa Tanacoms out there because we're like, okay, we're going to sword fish from seven to two. And then 
from two to five, we're gonna put some fish, like some tilefish in the box and come home. I will tell you that now, when we go out there, I leave botanicoms at home. Actually, I don't even remember the last time I used them because there's more confidence and- For sure. There's definitely, to me, being out there and chasing bigger fish, like it's much more rewarding if I got bit on that last drop than it is if I, Yeah, settled for tilefish. Yeah. And I know that's a hard thing. Tilefish are delicious. But uh, I'm in that same boat with you. I mean, every swordfish trip I went on, I'd come home with tilefish and no swordfish. It It was tough. It was tough for the first few years. But once you get the hang of it, I mean, you start start dialing it in it's definitely eye-opening and you're like how was i not doing this before (laughs) yeah and it can be disheartening when you're coming in with with nothing but i will say it's very very rewarding to go out there learn how to do it obviously you have mentors but for for the most part like we weren't paying anybody you know we watched tons of youtube videos we watched the bb chat videos and just getting that first fifth was insanely rewarding because it wasn't with somebody else. It was through the knowledge that we had gained from talking to other people, which in my opinion is very respectable. Like when I talk to somebody who's caught fish or they've chased fish that they've had to like learn through clean ice, they had to learn through big fuel bills and and taking the time and putting in the effort to go out there. Like I am much more open like with that person than with someone who's kind of like had everything everything handed to them when obviously it's not the worst thing if if like you know if you're blessed enough that you have some great people you fish with and you have a great boat and you can go fishing all the time like that's not a big deal but there's always the guys who put in so much time and effort to learn these like a specific species of fish yeah we've been i want to say any any time we've gone wahoo fishing i don't think we've struck out or well joe and i struck out (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, that that was one trip. That's the only. I mean, out of the last like, and it's not because we didn't have trips. <laughs> I think we've brought one to the boat every single time, at least one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this was we we got into double digits wahoo fishing this year, immediate like real real quick. So that's really cool. I'm catching that many wahoo. I know I'll let Stephen elaborate on the wahoo. That's that his. His the wahoo to Stevens the swordfish to me. I mean, it's a it's an addicting fish. It'll keep you up at night. And yeah, we there was a change in my mindset because uh, I went from having access to a thirty six foot yellowfin, which in the Gulf of Mexico, when you're leaving out of Destin, you have uh, unlimited opportunity. I mean, you could <laughs> you literally can go catch anything. Yeah, I mean, in a day, let's just call it a day trip. You could run all the way to the pads. That's when you're, you know, you're chasing blue marlin, mahi, wahoo, the occasional tuna. Um, you could run out to like the southeast, and you're in some of the best grouper grounds in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Um, you could run to the ledges, which are you know twenty, thirty miles away. That in some of the most prolific wahoo grounds in this area. Realistically, in a day trip, you could realistically make it to the rigs. You might not have... 100%. I mean, uh, I've been with the Justins. We go over by Patronus to go swordfish. I mean, that's a very, very popular ground, especially with the guys out of Mobile, Orange Beach. Those guys love fishing Patronus, and it sounds crazy to do in a day trip, but 
it's very doable. You leave real early before sun comes up, and sometimes you can even make it there to catch that a.m. bite, that early morning sunrise bite. That was always, like, my predicament, which... But once we were out of the the yellowfin, like, I didn't have the ability to just run as far as I wanted to. Like, I, we are now in a, a 27 sailfish, which I wouldn't call it the most fishing-friendly boat, but it's something that floats, and it's something that allows me to go fish. So I completely shifted my focus to where can I get my pelagic fishing fit that's close in, realistically you don't want to be on that boat 60 miles if it, if it kicks up two three like no. that's not that's you not fun at all so like yeah. we're limited to about 30 to 45 miles from Destin and there's a lot of fish between 30 and 45 miles yeah, I think that it's eye-opening to see that and having that smaller boat fishery like it's it's an amazing thing to have right outside right yeah. outside the pass but and so I got addicted to uh, to Wahoo fishing over the past two years and it's been fantastic had connor said like we really haven't had a trip where we don't catch wahoo anymore no mainly because i've started to really focus my fishing on i am gonna fish when i understand that the chances are extremely high to crush some fish but i always like to have a probability in my favor just like this past weekend you know the water's hot the water's green i mean it might not even be green it's like brown yeah, and, it, it's disgusting. And so I was, I was saying to myself, like, I really wanted to wahoo fish because we've been on the road for two months now, or in, call it three months, in the heat of summer. Watching really nice wahoos at the scales. Yeah, and just watching <laughs> big fish. Yeah, and so, and like, I've got this itch to go out there and smash some fish, but like, you have to be smart, like, because I say, I mean, a good day on land is still a really good day because I work for sword, like, it's, True. It's actually really it's fun to come to all. work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it is. it's super fun to come to work, but like when I go out out fishing, like I want to be have the best to set. So we started like honing in moon phases. We started honing in certain ledges. We started honing in water temperature, paying attention to those details before we go. And now that's led to just an absurd increase of uh, probability of of fishing of getting tight. That's, that's it. it. Just that's what we're all about here at Sword is getting tight. Oh yeah. But I'm gonna we're gonna cut the podcast off there because you know what this group here. I gotta go fish. Yeah, we can talk for. Yeah, <laughs> we, we have a lot of uh, really good stories to tell. Uh, but that is the intro to the Where the Map Turned Blue podcast, and we're gonna be coming at you with more of these kind of stories and. We'll be doing some interviews with really cool people in the industry, Um, really cool captain. We just wanted to uh, thank you for listening in. Give that uh, give that button a follow and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks, guys. See you later.